Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, is Zach. Vince is dead. He'll be back next week. And we're here to talk about the comics coming out on December 12th, 2023. Starting with Action Comics number 1060. Uh, Zach, you read the main story for this one, which is by Philip Kennedy Johnson and Eddie Barrows. Uh, Barrows, I suppose. I don't know why I said it weirdly. Um, I did not read that main story, so why don't we start with that? How did um, How is the current uh, final... Philip Kennedy Johnson action comic story shaking out. Uh, it's weird. <laughs> um, it's weird because I have not read, I think, anything past the first issue of the like post world world stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are just like some big leaps, like the so they I guess they've like pretty much been treating those two kids who they save from world world as like Superman and Lois is is like Clark and Lois's adoptive children. They like Uh refer to him as dad. Um, And Superman is like running around exclaiming, like, I have to save my daughter. They have my daughter because the, the, the fun thing, the only reason I really wanted to mention this is that it brings together two uh, otherwise completely unrelated storylines in a somewhat interesting way. Um, the first being, uh, and this is the one from the, the way, way back, uh, in the Batman Superman, the authority special number one that Philip Kennedy Johnson did, I believe Uh in like 2021, it goes all the way back. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, in that story, it introduced, uh, Earth Al Ghul, which was a, uh, world in the dark multiverse where, Yes. This like lineage of Waynes and Al Ghouls had had taken over the planet essentially. Um a character from that world has been, I guess, like the the ongoing like big bad of action comics since then. Okay. Um it then ties into uh well, this character is able to travel between worlds using hell as a gate. Or as a as a as a path, and that ties in that hell back up with Bloodwind from whatever that issue was. Right, right. Uh, so this 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 story ends, which is leading into Action Comics Annual for this year, which will be the the end of I guess the Philip Kennedy Johnson era. Uh, ends with uh, Superman and Constantine traveling through hell to get to Earth Al Ghul and teaming up with Etrigan and Bloodwind. That's actually that that could be fun. Yeah, yeah. Did it um, read fun or no? It it didn't. Um, it it was fine. Like it it didn't read like much of anything really. Um, the art, the Barrows art, I actually quite liked, uh, and I think there were actually like a few panels, um, done by uh, Fico Fico Osio. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, and it was the good Osseo again, not okay, like okay. what we saw last time. Or what we're going to talk- see again in a few pages. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Drastically different art style. Um, real, real chameleon. Very weird. Um, but I think the pages that were done by them or the panels that were done by them in this issue look quite good. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, this is one of those situations where if if I was talking about this, you would say I should catch up on that. And I'd say no, you won't. But yeah. I'm going to say I should catch up on that. And I'm, but I know, I'm, and, and I'm almost going to say like you probably shouldn't. Like I don't even, I don't actually know <laughs> that it's worth it. Um, I think you could maybe read this issue and then read the annual and be good to go. Yeah, I'm right. Um, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day about uh, 
a a column. They said like someone should do a column for Multiversity where basically you just read all the DC comics and then just like do a DC comics in December for dummies post. We're like, here's all the stuff that happens. And I was like, oh, God, I don't want to write that column, but I kind of want to read that column. (laughs) I mean, that's basically like almost what we used to do. Yes, exactly. That's what I said. Before it became like untenable to do that. You know, like it was exhausting. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And not not rewarding enough to continue, really. No, exactly. Um, Yeah. So if somebody out there wants to do it, though. Yeah. Go off. Absolutely. The the next generation of the DC3 uh, (laughs) does it. Uh, well, that brings us to the first backup, which is called Squad Dreaming, which is written by Nicole Maines and Steve Orlando and illustrated by Fico Asio, the same crew that did the Dreamer story in the Beast World Tour Metropolis one shot. Yeah, um, this is this is basically just a straight continuation of that sort yeah. of. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, I. I'm going to say two things this week that I'm probably going to get you canceled. No, <laughs> that, that that I'm probably going to get Vince mad at me for saying, um, because I think that all of us feel this way, but I think Vince feels the way of the strongest. I feel like this is one of the two times where Amanda Waller kind of makes sense, like for an in-story reason this week. I feel like having a precog on the Suicide Squad would obviously be a huge boon to her. So I understand why she'd want to be fighting to have a precog on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes total sense. Um, but I, the more I read these little stories ba- about, um, about Dreamer, I, I just, I feel like the character doesn't have a flaw yet or doesn't have like, I don't know. I, I don't want to say this seems too powerful because that's, that's not what it is, but their powers seem like almost undefinably huge. Mm-hmm. Like not only are they precogs, they also have these like other physical abilities, and they haven't really encountered any um, obstacles that seem to really be may- be will be able to stop them in the DC universe yet. And I don't know if that's why the character is starting to feel a little dull to me or what, but I d- definitely noticed that in this issue. Yeah, I can feel that again. Like I have such a limited foundation for who this character even is and what their deal is. Um, I feel like this issue does maybe begin to like create some, maybe like flaws are not the right word, but like some, some chinks in that armor in that, you know, like Waller says, she or 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 Dreamer is like willing to compromise on on you know, and I, I don't actually. Do, I guess does Dreamer use female or or they them pronouns? I honestly don't know. I know that the that Nicole the Maines is a uh, is transgender. I believe that 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 they use she her pronouns, but I'm not okay. I'm not positive. Okay. All right. Um, I'm just gonna use they just to be just. Oh, to, yeah. That, yeah. That's that's a great baseline for us to go from. Yeah. So I did. They uh, you know, compromise their their, you know, moral guide guidelines to to 
protect to essentially like protect this this secret town that they ha- that they have and so um that's i guess like a somewhat interesting jumping off point but again like not not like so compelling like that's not terribly original really um so yeah i don't i don't know i i want to see and i, I want to see more of the character it seems like we're going to see more of the character it seems like there is stuff coming later down the pipeline. So yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll just have to see. Yeah. I I think it's an interesting character. And I think that it's great to see a character written by a a traditionally marginalized voice in comics. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I think it's also cool that DC has done this a few times now where they've, if there's an actor that feels a particular kinship to a character they've played, DC is inviting them to to be part of the creative process there. The results uh, vary, obviously, depending on the character, the actor, etc. But I, I don't think it's a terrible place for them to be um, looking for someone to have a passion for one of these new characters. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that playing Dreamer is probably what allowed Nicole Maines to want to write the character. And so if that's going to give someone some extra fire in their belly for writing that character, that that's great. As long as they're being tempered by good editing and all that and having Steve Orlando be the co-writer is a great way to, to temper some of those rookie mistakes, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, again, this is not the good Fico Asio though. Mm-mm, no. Yeah. This is like some new 52. <laughs> yes. Like... Yes. Um, uh... They, they also, they do the thing. I noticed it. I, I think it was in this issue and in the last issue, where uh, they they just, like they have to, Jonathan Kent is just wearing like a, a belly shirt for no reason, <laughs> yeah. and I don't really understand why that's there. But um, whatever, maybe that's his fashion sense. It just seems odd to me. It seems like a very new decision, as you said. Yeah. yeah. Um. But so the other backup that we have in this issue is called uh, "Past Is Prologue." It is written by Joe Casey, illustrated by Dan McDade. And this is the precursor to the Neil Before Zod miniseries that launches in January. Uh, before we get too deep into this, what is your relationship to Joe Casey as a comics writer? You know, it's actually really limited. Um, I am trying to remember like what Joe Casey things I've even read. I think Joe Casey is actually like a name in comics that I'm like woefully under read on but i have heard so many good things about and like the idea of so many things that he's been on um the when i really think about it i think the only thing that i've really read of casey that is a like significant run is uh the action con- uh, sorry uncanny x-men run that he did alongside Morrison's new X-Men. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh that had Sean Phillips on art. And mm-hmm. then I've always wanted to read Casey's Wildcats run that started with the um Scott Labdell Wildcats that then transitioned into Wildcats 2.0. I've always wanted to read that, but never have gotten around to it. Um I don't really think I've read any of his independent stuff. I'm probably read like a smattering of uh, Superman issues that he's written in the past. And that is probably the extent I think. Yeah. I, I'm kind of in a similar boat. I definitely read 
some of his X-Men stuff <clears throat> between like, I know he was writing cable for a while in the late nineties and he wrote uncanny. And I was, I was dipping around the X books in that era. Um, and he did some iron man too, I believe in maybe like the, the like, I guess I'm looking up now. No, he didn't do as much. Iron man. I guess there's, Oh, he did one mini series with, with Fraser Irving in uh 2006, iron man, the inevitable. I remember now. Okay. Um, but you know, I, I've read little bits here and there. I, I read a bunch of Godland, which is the book he did with oh, uh, Tom. I always Shioli. wanted to read that. Yeah, I read that at a time in my life when I did not appreciate it. I think I would appreciate it much, much more now. Yeah. And then um, I, I've read a fair amount of his Superman stuff, sort of in passing, but not. I've never like sat down to read the Joe Casey Superman. Right? It's yeah, just... it's always been like in crossovers with yes, other like yes. Superman books. You know what I mean? Like yes. Uh... yes of that era which like is a fascinating era of, of superman so yeah i want to say that um casey was pretty involved in the our worlds at war crossover uh-huh yeah which did we do that for we um did. we yeah, did we i did. i think yeah. so yeah okay i couldn't remember if i read that stuff for like one of my jsa or shazam reads or for the, the show uh for crisis management but anyway, th- th- this is this is a big preamble to basically say, you know, I went into this with high expectations, but sort of unfiltered expectations. I I didn't really know what to expect from this, mm-hmm. um, and I have to say, I, I pretty much enjoyed this. Uh, there is there is one bit I want to talk to you about in a minute, but um, I, I I more or less this more or less did what I thought it was going to do, which is get me hyped for that. Uh, uh, that series um but yeah uh what did you think of this um so i i think i wanted to like this more than i actually did like conceptually artistically on so many levels you know i i am a mark for this you know i i really liked the united planet status quo thing coming out of the bendis run um any kind of like new Krypton adjacent storyline I'm, I'm here for. Um, but I didn't really care for the Zod son, you know, like I, and I, I don't know something about him just rub. He's just like a little bit too, like, a mix between John and Damien sort of, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're hitting on the stuff I was going to talk about. So this is really, good. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, that's like the biggest turnoff for me right now. Yeah. It, my, my note that I wrote here is just Lorzad sucks. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's just, he's an edge Lord. He's, uh, he doesn't really, he hasn't, earned any of the feelings that the books are trying to elicit from him mm-hmm. and so he just comes off as a whiny brat and it's it's not very enjoyable um i also don't know it's wild to me that we're getting two lorzod series because <laughs> he's he's also oh you're right you're right yeah. sons sinister sons whatever that book's called so you know character that we never really talked about uh you know, now we're having, he is having two books coming out uh, next month. Um, I thought the art looked really good in this. Mm-hmm. And I think that Zod could be an interesting character. Uh, but 
Yeah, Zod just sort of has the stink of the Snyderverse all over him too. Oh yeah, you think so? Yeah, uh, I just I don't know why. I just I, I know Zod obviously predates that in comics and in film, but I just feel like there's been this um there's been this uh like resurgence of Zod stuff since Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any comic Zod has gotten it right since then. Yeah, I guess I can see that. I'm really trying to think if there there has been anything really that kind of like you said has been good. Like has Zod been good? I I'm yeah. not I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I I can't remember anything, but that doesn't necessarily mean it. I mean, mean that it wasn't. Hello, denizens of Earth 1218. We're the hosts of Make Mine Multiversity, a twice-monthly podcast. I'm Jaina. And I'm Elias. Make Mine Multiversity is your handy guide to all things Marvel. Each month, we get into it with long looks at the careers of Marvel creators, characters, themes, whatever. Sometimes that means we dig into all things X-Men, sometimes we do a book club for Marvel series past and present, and sometimes that means figuring out which series is our heavyweight champion. Coming down by good old Skylaser to your podcatcher of choice every first and third Friday. Excelsior. Excelsior indeed. Because Vince isn't here, I'm gonna pull I'm gonna call an audible here. And we're gonna go out of alph- alphabetical order. Okay. And we're gonna talk about the Titans Beast World Tour Gotham number one before we talk about Beast World number two. Even though uh, even though it canonically it comes after <laughs> Beast World number two. Be- yes, because I have so little to say about this. Okay. Literally, so there are five stories in this, and literally for four of them, I copy and paste the first thing I wrote, which was dumb story but cute enough. <laughs> like there's, there's just nothing really to be said about this to me, except I will say that um, the scavenger story, which is the Red Hood story, I wrote was pointless and verbose. So yeah, and I know that's like. That's a writer that I know. Well, I know from Twitter, and that people people like them. And I don't, I don't know that they've ever done comics before, but I, I kind of felt the same way. Yeah, yeah. It was it was bad. Um, much like the Metropolis one, there is one story with really good art, which was the um, it's called uh, Wild Harleys I Have Known. Uh, written by Grace yeah. Ellis, illustrated by Daniel Hilliard. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one has like just really fun art in it, and yeah. not just because it has a six foot uh, like uh, Harley bump uh, bunny in it, um, but that just was a good looking issue. The rest of them were were on various degrees of ick for me. Yeah, I I did kind of, and this would this will get me in the doghouse with Vince. I kind of like the Kelly Jones issue oh, <laughs> or story. Uh, yeah, I mean Kelly Jones always is gonna is gonna do something for me um and and i would say it that really was... this one really did something for you am i right <laughs> yes it did uh but th- this one this one was probably the best of the st- of the stories in here in part because kelly jones is a legitimately good artist and um although not always my favorite uh, kelly jones that does it kelly jones is a flavor that doesn't work on everything right mm-hmm. um i thought that this was was relatively good kelly jones stuff but I just find these tie-in stories, like at least in the Metropolis one, the Dreamer one made you think that this was going to continue somewhere down the road, and it did. And um, you know, the the Jimmy Olsen one was like dumb fun. With this, there's a couple of ones that are, you know, I said that 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 Harley one is kind of dumb fun. 
the spoiler one is is you know decent i suppose but the rest just feel like they have no purpose at all they don't expand the beast world story and i i just don't get it uh, i liked the cascane one i thought it was cute it was dumb fun but it was very cute yeah i mean uh, all, all my all my no it's dumb story but cute enough like yeah. you know but just but i i guess my point is if you're gonna do these tie-ins i don't understand why you wouldn't try to tell a bigger story than just like Cascane is now a giant cat and so laser pointers make her excited i'm sorry huntress is huntress is now a giant cat yes yeah 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 yeah. but like you know i just i don't understand why that's um why why anybody felt like that's a a viable story here of course the idea is just that they want to sell comics but you know still uh anything else to say about any of these stories no i mean no not really the uh the just off you know off the cuff the uh the dick one at the beginning is interesting because it's written by zadarsky which is like probably the biggest name on this book like writer wise and it's a a, technically a direct follow-up to beast world number two that we'll talk about in a minute but it amounts to nothing at all exactly yeah um. Yeah, so let, let's let's get over to Beast World number two. Then, um, written by Tom Taylor, illustrated by Ivan Reyes, and uh, what I love about what Tom Taylor is doing at DC in general is just that Taylor is moving things along at a pace that is not like a breakneck pace. But as I read this issue, there were two scenes in particular that I thought. If this was written by Josh Williamson or Scott Snyder in an event from like a year or two ago, these scenes would have taken two issues to tell. Like specifically the scene where Batman transforms into the like beast Batman. That would have taken place in the background of two or three issues before we eventually saw Batman show up in that beast uh, situation. Even just the idea of like the fact that Oracle saying, oh, God, uh, Kondok wasn't the uh, like cliffhanger for the issue mm-hmm. and allowed that to actually happen in one issue. I thought that was also well done. And I think that the. Um, even like Waller asking for the government to like basically hand the reins over to her. All that stuff happens in one issue, and that feels substantially more packed than an issue of any other major DC event over the last five or ten years. Maybe I'm overselling that, but that's that's how I felt when I was reading it. Yeah, I can I can see what you're getting at. Um, yeah, it does. It is like much less decompressed than a like recent. DC event would be but I also think it's still like I think this issue is a lot more dull than the the preceding issue or, or at least maybe dull is like too harsh of a word but like much more you know uh, in the camp of uh, 
you know, whatever. What was the last uh, DC event before this? Uh, more more night terrors. This is more okay. night terrors. You know what I mean? Yes. Oh, I agree with that part of it, too. I, I, I don't think that this is necessarily a great event. Mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, but I will say that I like the way it's being presented. Sure. Yeah, um, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm just like a little disappointed because I did think that like the first issue really like swung for the fences and was like really going for it. Mm-hmm. And this issue just feels a little bit more like, you know, it, it's just it, it's just kind of like a by the numbers event sort of thing. Well, you, you know, it, it's interesting that you mentioned Night Terrors because this this follows the Night Terrors and Lazarus Planet model of like we're gonna fuck up the heroes that's yeah that's sort of the 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 premise here right we're gonna give them these um these temporary or permanent or whatever powers and and we're gonna put them in precarious situations where there's not really a villain to this in the way that neither of those stories really had a traditional event book villain to them mm-hmm. uh, and i wonder why dc is getting away from those traditional event book villains well and it's kind of weird because i thought that like dr hate was going to be that for this right but... I, I thought it's definitely a part of it but doesn't seem to be the He's, driver behind he it ex- no he doesn't yeah it's weird and and i i thought after the first issue that he would be and not necessarily that i like am dying for him to be <laughs> i just i just thought that it was going to be more of that so yeah it is kind of weird. It's also interesting to me. Um, I actually just reread um, the first volume of Deceased recently for a like uh, in real life comics thing that I'm doing. Yes, yes. Um, that Vincent I tease you about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's weird because in that uh, Taylor also like quickly takes Batman off the table as as quick as fast as he can, um, mm-hmm. which is just. An interesting, it's just an interesting Taylorism, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I also find that this is an interesting throwback in a way. I'm not going to say it's exactly like JL Ape, but yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> not the, the, unlike it though. No, no, the, just this. It feels very old school to me to have all these heroes turning into like animal versions of themselves. Uh, yeah. Again, not particularly interesting, but just, uh, we're not, not particularly good, but it's interesting that DC is going back to this type of a story. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say, I, I wonder if... Do you think that this was going to be one of those DC events that takes up two months and there's a million tie-ins like Lazarus Planet or like um, Night Terrors? Or does this? do you think that the scale was always smaller than that? I really don't know. This does seem like the kind of thing that DC would blow up rather than decompress, you know, or, yes. or compress, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, it is interesting. I did look ahead at, like, some upcoming issues, and Ivan Reyes is not the artist Shocker. for the next two issues. Yeah. Um, which, if it was going to be a longer thing, I would think that Reyes would be on the book the whole time. Right. So I think maybe this always was the plan. Okay. Yeah. It, and it's I think it's interesting that DC is doing that more, you know, doing these like quick events, like, uh, you know, night tears is two months. This is going to be 
technically three months because it started in November, but it's actually pretty much just two months because it was, I think, like the last week in November was when it started. Yeah. Um. So I think that's an interesting decision on DC's part to really be like ramping up the speed of these events and seeing how they impact the DC universe a little faster as, you know, tenuous or like limited as that might be. Um, Because I do think that like a big complaint about event comics of the, you know, the last two decades is that you have these big long stories that take, you know, half a year or more to play out. And then, you know, you have the, like uh, the rest of the universe kind of like playing along slowly, but you know, it, it, it takes a long time before they can really uh, reflect the status quo of the event. And so this, this lets them do that a little bit more quickly if they want to. Yeah. My only note on that is that I still think I would rather read six months of tangentially related comics than have to read two full months of only a shitty event. Mm -hmm. Like the night terrorist thing where nothing else is being published during that time. Yeah, I feel that. Um, but the the better solution here is just do less events. <laughs> yeah. And make the events good when you do them. Uh, well, so Vince is not here to read uh, next week's books, but unlike Vince, I'm not going to complain about it. I'm just going to do it. So <laughs> um, <laughs> had to throw roast it him. Yeah, just got to roast him, roast him uh, over an open fire here. Uh, Batman Santa Claus, Silent Night number three, Batman Offworld number two, Batman Superman World's Finest 22, Catwoman 60, Cyborg number six, Green Lantern War Journal number four, Harley Quinn, Black, White, Redder number six, Hawkgirl number six, Jay Garrick the Flash number three, Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong number three, Nightwing 109, Superman 9, The Joker, Harley Quinn Uncovered, Titans Beast World Tour, Central City number one, and Wonder Woman number four. Um, any of those? There, particular... there was a time when I thought DC was not publishing that many comics, but yeah. Uh... But then you get this. Um, I guess we're going to talk about the Beast World one and then Wonder Woman. We said right. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So we can catch up on that. Uh, anyway, go to dc3cast.com for information on our Patreon. And thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Dada, you sing me Boots and Cats. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, sure. We can do Boots and Cats. And then she said, uh, you make that up? And I was like, uh, no, I think somebody taught it to me. And she got so, she's like, no, you made it up. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. I did. And I invented sure, yep. Boots and Cats, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>